Good morning, everyone. All right. Good morning, everybody in Facebook land. Uh, We consider you extensions of our family. And uh, here we are. I don't normally preach in series or I don't plan to, but this, this has turned into a series. We've been talking about the fact that Jesus says this. He says, Religious people come up to him and they go, hey, we love doing churchy, church, churchy. Uh, what's the most important churchy thing to do? And Jesus is like, yeah, I see your heart, bro. Um, love God with everything you can control. Mind, soul, and uh, heart, as he said. I totally got the order wrong. And he says, and love other, love other people, you can't separate the two. And so that's all good, right? You, they're learning about it in kids' ministry, I'm sure. Love, lovey, love. Well, what about that uncle that you really can't stand? Or that coworker that, right? This is what we've been talking about. We've been putting boots on the ground talking about loving the people that really it's hard to love. I don't want to recap a bunch, but man, I got a lot of response a couple, a couple weeks ago when I said this. Some people you need to love from a distance. And last week I talked about some people you need to set boundaries. Setting boundaries in your life is how you show you value. And a lot of people get beat up by church in the past because they thought, well, well, you're supposed to stay there and get your butt kicked. That's not what Jesus said at all. That's not the truth at all, really. We're talking about respect for self as a child of God. Sometimes that means I love you, sister, from over there. But anyway, so I don't, I really feel like we're running out of time here. Um, So I I, I guess what we're going to do today is talk about a couple things. Number one, let's jump right into this. People, people, people wonder, people, people make God a lot more complicated than, than he is. Uh, this is 17, 18 years of Bible study. I'm nobody, but let me tell you what I've learned from the Bible and from people I see that are really pursuing him. It's this. Relationship is the most important thing to God. Some people think it's rules. It's the things I do and don't do. No. Some people think it's having the right ideas of who he is and figuring him. No. Relationship is the most important thing to him. And he showed us that. Number one, what did he do for relationship with us? The key to heaven was hanging on a nail, it says on our thing. Right? He, he literally gave himself, poured himself. I don't even want to see my son in pain in the dentist chair on Tuesday. I'm already having nightmares about it. And God the Father watched his son be brutally murdered for us. So is relationship important to God? Yes, it is. First and foremost, relationship is important to God. You ever wonder why he created us? No, y'all think it right. Did he need to? Was he lonely? No, because he had Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He had perfect relationship within himself. So why did he create us? I wanted some pets, do you think? Kind of like when you buy those ant farms, they don't really do much for you, right? Like, what's the purpose? Or what are those little guppy things, like seahorses or, right? Like, oh, they're cool to look at. Is that what God did, guys? He put us on this marble and said, look at them wandering around. Look at that. Look at that one's fighting with the other one. (laughs) Look at now they're building stuff. Ooh, that's getting pretty big. Is that really what he did? No, no, guys, he, he... He wanted genuine, real relationship. Let me ask you another tough question you should ask. Ready? Why would he put a tree in the garden of, in in this perfect, beautiful garden? Why would he put it there? Uh, Why would he give them a bad choice? And you ready for this? Because real relationship comes out of freedom. Real relationship can only come out of freedom. Ready for this? Real freedom has the choice to love or not. And it's only true freedom. You ready? When there's a self-pleasing option that's just as enticing as the other one. In other words, would it really have been love if if Adam and Eve had this amazing option to walk with God in the coolness of the day, which is what it says in the Bible, and then no other option? Well, you're free. No, I'm not. You haven't given me an equal option. 
Real freedom is only you can choose to love yourself and it's going to be really gratifying or you can choose to sacrifice and love me. They're both equal. Now choose. Isn't that really only freedom? It wouldn't have been freedom if they had. Do you get what I'm trying to say? So let me ask you again. What's the most important thing it appears to God? Relationship. And I tell you something, man, when I'm done beating myself up about the things I do and don't do and how I'm still doing the same thing after how many years, the only thing that helps me actually grow is realizing I got to be safe in his arms. I got to be safe in his love. Well, even this time after you failed, yeah, it's got to be bigger than what I do and don't do. And honestly, I don't want to go off too much about this, but I really love what he says. John was his best friend and he wrote a biography. And and years ago, Brian and I did this. Actually, it was three years ago where it says, Father, no one can take them from my hand, he says as he's praying. And the imagery it has in Greek is two hands cupped, remember? I love the fact that his ability to keep me is so much greater than my ability to, to lose him and to leave him behind. Do you understand what I'm saying? And listen, getting better and being conformed to the image of Christ is very important, absolutely. But you fight from a place of victory. You don't fight for victory. Because you're loved, grow into being like Christ Jesus. That's not the goal. The goal is relationship. Do we understand that? Guys, I'm hoping to knock some religion off you. Jesus is not impressed with our religion. He's not impressed with that at all. He's impressed and loves and absolutely is a part of relationship stuff. I've referenced this before. I had a message called the dash. It's not when you're born. It's not when you perish. It's that line in the middle that matters. The dash. And you know what it is, guys? Let me hit you out for a second because you know how I am. We get this certain amount of time to play in the sand, to feel the sun on our face, to feel the breeze, to meet other kids playing in the sand, and then one day the water's going to come and it's going to wash it all away. That's how that goes. Everything we've done on earth is just going to be washed away. But do you understand that that time to play in the sand is a gift? It is absolutely a gift. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I labor it out. Sometimes it seems so long. And other times I see kids grow and I realize it seems so, so quick. But bottom line is, it just is what it is. And it, what it is is a gift. Through the trials, through the suffering, through the, through the medical reports you're waiting on, you're playing in the sand, man. This is life and it's a beautiful gift. It's a beautiful gift, guys. Absolutely. So how many big moments do we really have in life? I used to think when I was younger, as you know, I'm a, I'm a fairly dramatic dude. Okay, super highs and super lows. <laughs> that's, my, that's my cross to bear. But when I pictured life, I pictured it looking a lot more like a movie than a, a book. Because if you really break it down, there's been some significant moments in my life, you know, born, I don't know, this thing, and then went to college, and then, oh, married, and then, oh, first kid, second kid, job. But really, those things, guys, life is full of a lot of mundane. Have you noticed that? And we're all looking for any minute now, my real life's going to begin. Any minute now, this exciting thing's going to happen, even though I'm getting more gray hair every week, thanks to the kids. I'm 37, but any minute now, the adventure's going to start, and God's whispering, life happens in the mundane. And while you're looking at this, this, this thing, you, what you need to understand is, this is the way Pete, my best friend, says it. He says, life is like the books on the shelf, but relationships are the bookends, and they're the most important part of it all. And so the reason I'm laboring this relationship thing is because what you do and your job and your hobbies and blah, blah, blah are nowhere near as important as the people you're doing it alongside and the quality of your relationships. That's what really matters. And that's why Jesus says, broke it down and said, look, you've got 300 some commands you're walking out. Love God with everything you had, you have. 
and love the people around you. Really work at those relationships because the quality of your life is going to matter with the people you have surrounding you. And when Brenda, I'm going to pick on you for a second, when Brenda got that diagnosis and knew she was going to go through a hard time, you know what it was around her that held her up? Her relationship with God and her relationship with other people. When my father suddenly passed on a Tuesday morning and his time to play in the sand had run up and none of us knew that was coming, what mattered most was the people I had around, my, around me. Sandy going through what she went through, the Cuthwards when that, when that car crossed the line. I know every one of your stories and the hundreds of people watching online. What mattered the most were the people and relationships you had around you. It's true. The stuff in the middle, it, it, the quality of those relationships is what holds it all together. Relationship is first priority to God. And so I'm going to give you something that might be a little difficult today, but I promise you, chiropractic stuff, this is really going to help. We're going to call this message, love those who love you. We're going to avoid some stuff. So let me give you a backstory here. You know who King David is, guys? Everybody know who King David is? The greatest king of all of Israel. He united Israel. It was awesome. He's known for such hits as, you know, David and Goliath, right? And other things like that. <laughs> Wrote a lot of Psalms. He played the harp or lyre, which is cool. Um, so here's the problem, though. David, David had a lot of stuff flowing down his family tree. How many people know that we kind of inherit our dad and mom's weaknesses if we don't? Anyway, well, um, one of his sons named Absalom uh, all of a sudden tried to overthrow his father David as king. He wanted to be king. So he gathered up like a big group of people and actually chased David out of the castle. It's like, okay. Uh, David had to flee from the palace. And then Absalom, this is kind of gross, but you got to understand the level of which Absalom is doing this. You need to understand it for the rest of the message. Absalom then took his father's concubines, you know what these are, and if not, ask your mom on the way home. <laughs> um, took his father's concubines, and he went on the roof, and he had himself a little uh, party, okay? That's what we're going to say there. Well, so Joab and those loyal to David chase after Absalom and his whole army, and they end this thing. Now, David says, I promise you, this has everything to do with your tomorrow. I promise you. So David says, oh, be gentle with my boy. And Joab looks at him probably like, what? The dude trying to overthrow you? He's like, yeah, be gentle with poor Absalom. And they're like, yeah, okay. So they chase him. Absalom gets stuck in a tree. Joab looks at him and goes, and somebody comes over and like, he said, oh, King David said be, be, be nice to him. And Joab's like, yeah, okay. <laughs> Three spears right in his heart. He's like, dude, coming against the king? Yeah, okay. A messenger comes to David and says, Absalom's dead, yo. Three spears in his heart. It's over. The rebellion's done. His men go to march back in. And, and David's busy weeping, so this is what they do. They're like, yeah. And they come in as though they'd been defeated, all of them with their eyes down. Let's pick up the story. Second Samuel 19, 4. The king covered his face and cried aloud, oh, my son, Absalom, oh, Absalom, my son, my son. Then Joab, one of his mighty men, went into the house of the king and said, today you have humiliated all your men. They've just saved your lives and the lives of your, I don't know, other sons and daughters and the lives of your wives and, oh, yeah, your concubines. Remember that whole story. Next slide. You love those who love you and you hate those who love you. You love those who hate you and you hate those who love you. You've made it clear today that the commanders and their men mean nothing to you. I see that you would have been pleased if Absalom were alive and all of us were dead, King David. One more, please. Now go out... O king, and encourage your men. I swear by the Lord that if you don't go out, not a man will be left with you by nightfall. This will be worse for you than all the calamities that have come upon you from you as a little boy until now. 
And so here's the thing. Relationship matters, point number one, big time. And one thing I love about the Lord our God, I'm, I'm working through Proverbs right now. I just, I don't know how to read the Bible. Good, open up the center of the Bible and there's wisdom in Proverbs. You can read a proverb a day. Just really simple wisdom stuff. Life goes a lot better when you have wisdom. That's right from God. But anyway, so, so I'm doing that and I'm realizing this. God oftentimes, people, as a good, good father, he wants to, you to avoid stepping in the, the hole and spraining the ankle and not just wait to ask him for the healing. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? And so many of us, this is a, a huge pitfall in loving difficult people. You ready? Here, here we go. We're going to come in a little hot today. I love the part where it says, he says, go back one slide, please. You love those who hate you and hate those who love you. Right? Okay. That's what he says. So here's the problem. This is a pitfall a lot of people who uh, 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 follow Christ fall into. And what do I mean? This is where it gets hot, guys. Pay, pay, pay attention here. Okay. If we're not careful, we give our best selves to those who don't need it or deserve it, and we give our ugliest to those we love the most. Yes, I know it, guys. David's tears, his concerns, his anguish was for a person who did not love him, who was not loyal to him, who didn't have his best interest in mind. And so many of us, a lot of our energies go toward that very same thing. And nobody's coming at you today, bro, but you got a choice. I'm going to give you some wisdom today that God's given me, and then you work it or you don't. So what I'm saying is this. Why do your coworkers get the best version of you, and then you come home, and the people you love get the lesser version? They get what's left. And if you're not careful, we all fall into this. So if you're feeling condemned, me too. I'm the one who wrote the message and I'm going, oh boy, <laughs> I sure do this. I do, I do. I don't know why. I mean, I have to say, I try to live like that way. I, 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 I do. I, I try to be conscious of it. For, for me, um, this is just me complaining first. I'm not complaining. I'm just sharing my story. But ministry can be a job that consumes because it's a 24-hour-a-day job. And I'm fine for that. I'm totally built for it. I'm not complaining. I was an RA in college, and I loved it. Like 3 in the morning, you get a phone call. Someone's being loud downstairs. And most people would complain, but I'd be like, it's just who I am. I'm a resident assistant. You know what I'm saying? I don't mind at 11 o'clock at night. You know, me and my wife are fighting AJ. Can you help? Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't mind. I don't mind. I don't. That's who I am. But... But <laughs> if I'm not careful, I will become a man who is married to my job and dates my family. That's good, right? If I'm not careful, that's the way it can be. Um, and I could, I could stand there justified. Well, I'm doing the Lord's work, honey. I mean, really, self-righteous AJ could come out and I could be like, it's more important than you, right? And lots of people do that, whatever their jobs are or whatever it is that takes you away. We're not going to stick with just jobs. I promise to cover the whole gamut. In what ways are we all married to our jobs or other things and dating our family? And I got news for you. There's probably some stuff there. This is a hard one, guys. I know that. And here's what I want to say about this. What did God give Adam before he gave him a wife? A J-O busy. That's what he gave him. He gave him a job to do, didn't he? Hello, didn't he? Huh? Yeah, yeah. Walk around the garden, name the animals, do your stuff. Uh, you, ladies, if you're going to look for someone, you got to have a job first. There's a few things that a man should have before you, uh, before you attach yourself to him. It should be a job, a relationship with God, purpose. Do you want that? I'll give you a singles lecture if you want, all day. Um, no, it is good for a man to work. People think the job came from the curse. What are you reading? No, it didn't. He was working long before the curse. Job is good, okay? A bored man is a destructive man and a very dangerous man. 
No. The times I've gotten into most trouble in my life was when I was just bored <laughs> and uninspired. Y'all know what I'm talking about. So job is good, guys. I, that's the problem. It's, it's, you know, it's not a cursed thing. This is a thing that we're supposed to do. But Heavenly Father says relationship is most important. Love the people around you. But you got to learn to walk this out in balance. You've got to learn to walk this out in balance. And again, you won't walk it out in balance unless you're purposeful. It's too easy to happen. Okay. This is a hard and delicate part of our lives. In what ways am I married to the job and dating my family is what I need to ask myself. And it can be anything. You can be married to a hobby. You can be married to the television. You can be married to other relationships outside of your nuclear family, outside of the household. It can be anything. The focus here is that relationship is first. And anyone else that thinks... Uh, uh, any, any, yeah, anything else that asks for a huge commitment for a covenant or a promise, it just needs to be put in check. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? Um, why do you think I keep using this married and dating metaphor? Because married is this. Married is always is obligated in covenant. In marriage, the answer is always yes and amen. Do you understand that? Um, dating is yes as long as it's convenient for me and when that changes I won't be here anymore that's what that is you don't have to like it that's the truth there's no covenant there's no commitment so what I'm trying to say is anything that you're dating gets a circumstance by circumstance yes out of you anything you're married to always does get a yes do you understand and that's why I keep using this metaphor if my job always gets a yes I'll be right in and my wife doesn't that's a little out of balance Right. If if it's my time, talent, and treasures, if my family always gets a yes, and it's a maybe for everybody else, that's about right. And we can't get this area of our lives screwed up. I know this is difficult because in 1950, I want to give you some American statistics here to see why this is so difficult. It used to be a lot easier when you had one person leave the home and work, and the other person stay home. You had both area. You ran a zone, if you will, right? And you could give 100% to each, and you could swap out, and it was amazing. In 1950, the average family income was $3,300. But the average car, brand new, cost $1,500. Half a year's wage, guys, less than half a year. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine buying a Silverado for $15,000? That don't happen now, you know what I'm saying? Right, Bruce? No. Right, Terry? <laughs> um, the median home price back then remember the average family income was $3,300 the home medium home price was $7,300 you could have a home in two years working paid off in two years working and we all chuckle and laugh now in 2014 the average family income I don't know where they're getting these stats maybe the suburbs somewhere but $51,000 is the average family income the average car costs $31,000 the average home this is obviously not here, but $188,900. Y'all ain't going to pay that off anytime soon unless you're purposeful, right? This is hard because in order to provide now, businesses and companies and jobs are asking more and more and more of you, aren't they? I know pals who got two jobs. Go to work in the morning, go to work at night. Go to work in the morning, go to work at night. This is very difficult, you guys, or, or couples who have different shifts. I understand this is difficult. So nobody's coming at you, like I said. But we're trying to see in what ways am I married to my job and dating my family. So we do need to talk about this, guys. Now, I don't want to go south with this. I don't want to sit there and go, how much time? I can give you semantics. As a follower of Christ Jesus, it starts right here. What I'm trying to say is this. This is a heart issue, not a semantic or detail issue. In Christ, we remain in him and we know the truth and the truth sets us free. Thanks, Bray. Uh, John eight thirty one. If you hold to my teachings, 
then you're my disciples. You follow me. Then you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. The truth does nothing for you. Don't misquote this anymore. The truth will set you free. No, it doesn't. Cookies make you fat. Are you thin now? (laughs) What? The truth did nothing for you. Then you'll, okay, you'll be in me, says Christ. You'll be my disciples. Then you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free, okay? What I'm trying to say is it's not about the semantics. It's about the truth that we're learning right here through David's life. It's wisdom, you guys, to set our hearts and minds to loving those who love us and need us the most. They get the best of us. That's all I'm talking about. What does that look like week to week? It's going to be different in your home than everybody else's. Last week, I talked about setting boundaries. I said something like this. I said, did you know you can set a boundary in your house where there's no more yelling in the house? We can just say that. It's out of bounds. No more name calling. You can just do that. You can set a boundary. I said that last week. There's no name calling. Whatever you can do. You can choose to love those around us well by setting your own boundaries with them. You can say things like this. I'm not going to be ugly or impatient or rude to those closest to me because when I get home, I'm tired. I'm not going to do that anymore. Right? You can, you can do that. You can... I'm going to skip ahead of here in my message. I'm going to say this. Joyce Meyer talked about her and her. Uh, do you know what Joyce Meyer is? She's awesome. I listen to her. I, I love her. Um, she was talking about her and I forget her husband's name. I don't know. David. There you go. Who said that? You remember? Her and David. She was like, and you know Joyce. She's basically the female version of me. <laughs> she says what she thinks. She's, you know, she's a little rough around the edges, which is why I love her. But she's like, me and David, you know, around the house, we kind of groan at each other and whatever. She goes, but. I had my daughter and son-in-law staying with us when their house was getting built. And she goes, and they were the politest people to each other. And it just made me sick. She said, <laughs> honey, can you get me some milk out of the fridge? Sure, baby. Thank you. Welcome. She's like, ugh, who does that after 30 years of marriage or something like that? But you know what I've realized? I've realized, yeah, why am I polite to some schmo at Walmart who doesn't love me at all? And yet I'm to my wife. Come on, anybody? Why am I like that? Why do I love those who hate me and don't care about me at all? I smile at them and I scowl at my wife. What is that about? I can make it, it, I can make it a priority in my life to learn from David's shortcomings. And, and I can give my family the best of me. Why do we treat coworkers better than we treat our families? Have you ever met someone who, uh, this, this has happened in my life. Have you ever met someone who, you think they're great, and you get along with them really well, but then you meet their family, and their family doesn't like them at all? I've had that happen. You don't have to nod. <laughs> In fact, don't. I've met people who I thought so-and-so was a great guy and all that, and I come to, and then I talk to his kids, and his kids hate him. And I'm like, what version of you? Like, I could never... Oh, he's putting more effort into this relationship over here than that relationship at home. Or he's keeping all the poison from me so he looks good, and he's dumping it at home. And that's so easy to do, guys. So let's examine some stuff before we get out of here. Why do we do this? I'll tell you why right now, straight up. Because it's easier. With those in close proximity, we often choose a safe distance over connections. I've been talking about that for three weeks from Danny Silk. We choose a safe different distance over connections, but love never does that. Love doesn't say, I'm going to put you over here because it's comfortable. Love takes risks. Love bleeds. Love hurts. Love forgives and heals. Love chooses connection over safe distance. Y'all should tweet that. That's absolutely true. But I want to tell you something. One reason I think we do this, I was going to hammer men here, but women do it too. We do better with relationships that are out here. Hi, how are you? How's your mom? Okay, good. Surface stuff. Don't we? That's why y'all got hundreds of Facebook friends, but three people actually care about you. Oh, I don't mean to burst your bubble. Sorry. 
<laughs> it's the truth. Don't live. Don't. You know what I mean? We're, we're doing entire shows like Black Mirror. Is it called Black Mirror? Where they're looking at this thing going, you really think these people care about you? They don't at all. But you're giving them the best of you. Why? Because it's easy to keep them over here. This is our lives. That's why we love those who hate us and hate those who love us. It's easier. Everybody wants to love where it's safe. Out here is fine. But love doesn't do that. It takes real strength to risk something. It takes no strength to risk nothing. You said we're warriors. Guess what? The scariest thing I've had to do in my life was not when that big Rottweiler tried to attack my dog and I had to shoot my pistol at it. That was, that was great adrenaline rush. That was cool. I've done other things, you know, having to tackle somebody. But that wasn't scary. Scary is being vulnerable with my wife and kids. No, I'm serious. Like, it, it makes my heart jump a little bit. I'd rather watch Maximus Decimus Meridius take a sword and cleave people in Gladiator. I, it's easy to do. It's easy to look down sights and shoot. It's real hard to put my armor down and say, babe, I screwed up. I don't really know how to love you that well. And it makes my skin crawl when I feel rejected. Guys, that's... So you want to look up to someone? Stop watching Russell Crowe movies, dude. And start going to a man that opens up to his family. Oh, that's good, right? Or a woman, let's be honest. Can I give you something? I'm going to side note, I love this. Women, can, let me give you something. If you want to actually have good intimate relationships like you know you need in life and to love those who love you, stop competing with other women in your life. Oh, we know you do this, guys. Let me put you on blast for a second. We as men know you do this. I heard a comedian one time saying this. Ocean's Eleven could never happen if it was five girls. Here's why. Two of them would break off and start talking smack about the other three, wouldn't they? I just love how she thinks she can wear anything. Did you hear what she said? Oh, honey, hi, I love your dress. It's cute. Oh, she's the worst. Or Charlie's Angels, right? Right, though? Oh, she's awesome. Oh, I hate her. She's so mean. And the root of that is competition because society's done that to you. Don't act like they haven't. I, I, I found something out when I started dating my wife. Women don't dress up for you men. They dress up for other women. Did you know this? So that they're better looking than the... Did you know this, men? Look, look at their guilty faces. And we're going, what? I always thought women dressed up to go somewhere so they attract men. No, they don't care about us. They just don't want to be the ugly one in the bar. <laughs> Guys, I'm not telling jokes. This was new to me. Uh, okay, and again, you all look incriminated. But if you, if you, <laughs> I derailed the whole message. Sorry. <laughs> filter, AJ, filter. Um, so here's the thing, women. Though, if you want to love those, those, those that love you, stop competing with them. Stop competing with them. Knock it off. Nobody, you're not in competition anymore. Knock it off. That's what you guys do. You do. You compete over looks, clothes, kids, family. And in the recent years, and, and nobody's coming at you, but now you got jobs and money you compete with, too. You're doing all that stuff now. Man, boy, back in the day, all you had to do was Ginger Rogers. Now you got to be Wonder Woman at the same time. I kind of feel guilty for you guys, man. I feel bad. It's true. By the way, Ginger did it backwards and in heels, remember? That's an old joke, but Fred Astaire got... Yeah, yeah, you get it. <laughs> so that's what David did, guys. He pushed those who were closest to him away, the loyal ones to him. And, and look what actually happens in the rest of David's story. Uh, other stories in life when this was out of balance. There's a guy named Uriah who lived right near him. And you want to know why he lived near him? Because he was one of his mighty men that protected him. And you know what David did? David hated him by what he did. Because David took his wife and slept with his wife. How much do you have to hate someone to take something so dear to him? He hated the one who was going to protect him and lay his life down for him. This was one of David's main mistakes over and over and over again. He kept loving the people that hated him and hating the people that loved him. And every single time he fell flat on his face. We got to get this, guys. So let me ask you in a different way as we're getting ready to close here. Who's getting the best of you? 
Who or what is getting the best of you? I personally want it to be first and foremost my priority. Uh, and the last one I want to do this is this. Don't get all weird. I'd save this for last because I, it obviously should have gone first, but I want to say this. When it comes to loving those who love you, how are we loving the one who loves us above all things? How are we loving the one who actually give, gave us everything? How are we loving the one that keeping all the cellular divisions going on in our body right now and our hearts beating? How are we loving the one who opened up heaven and says, you get to be with me forever because of what I did for you? I'm the only one who ever said, follow me, I'll go first, says Jesus. So how are we loving him? Because a lot of times, guys, everything else gets our time, talent, and treasures. And I'm not coming at you, like I said, but the one that loves us the most, how are we loving him? Can I tell you, of course, everybody's going to feel guilty when you, when you hear this because none of us are loving him the way he deserves. Can you think about your darkest day? Some of, it was, some of you, it was last year. And God held you together and here you are today. Remember that? You remember losing sleep over that thing that you just couldn't have or that thing that, oh my gosh, this is going to crush me? And God delivered you through that. How are we loving him is what I'm trying to say. The father of heavenly lights. I spoke before about my hierarchy. I said it last week uh, about boundaries. I said, I, I got I to, gotta, especially as guys, we don't do this. We just float. But what's my main priority? For me, I want it to be God first, my family second. My third would be my uh, friends and career. That's what it's got to be. And when something down here tries to take away from the one higher, I say no boundary. Even if it's my wife trying to, you know, ask too much so I, I can't give to God. I got to say boundary, right? And so this is what I'm basically saying here, guys. I'm not going to sit there and say, I've heard pastors sit up here and go, you got to wake up at five in the morning and read and have your devotional time. Well, guess what? No. The way you're going to love God is different than anybody else on the planet. And you know what? That's a beautiful thing to Father God. Your marriage looks different than mine, doesn't it? then why would you think the way you relate to God would be the way I relate to God? That's foolish. Absolute stupid. I got to talk like AJ. No, you don't. Dear God, don't. I got to pray this many times. That's not what I'm talking about. What is a relationship? Relationship is proximity, isn't it? Relationship is sharing yourself. I got a friend of mine who says he loves to talk to God when he's doing the dishes. Awesome. Do you, all right, stick with me five more minutes. Anybody ever read the Song of Solomon? Okay, you have. Did you look at that as a man and woman love story? Yeah, you did, didn't you? One of them says, when he looks at me, my heart races. Can I tell you something? Greater love has God for you than even that dating and passionate love you're reading about in the Song of Solomon. I never thought about that. So when I turn my eyes to God, do you know that his, his heart starts to race? Or do you think a woman loves a man more than God loves me? Is that what you're saying? Do you understand that? Remember when you guys met? Shana, I'm pointing at you, right? God is very passionate for us. In fact, he calls it his passion that led him to the cross. All I'm trying to say is this. How are we loving unto the Lord our God? Are we married to something else and dating God? And again, this is where people get all condemned me. I don't know what this looks like. Here's the thing I know. Intimacy will come when I share myself. That's all I know. Uh, what does it look like? You're, you probably don't go in the woods like I do. And, and when I'm cutting wood, when I'm riding the sled, I don't know what it looks like when you, when you open up and relate to God. But I want to challenge you this week as we're closing right now and say this. Um, time equals intimacy, and intimacy equals relationship, if you think about that. That's why long-distance relationships don't work very well. So what have we learned, guys? It's easy to love from a... Well, no, I got to say one more thing. I really feel like he wants me to say. You ready? This will be the most unpopular thing I'm going to say today. And... Um, I'm okay with that. I know a lot of folks who, uh, they do love God dearly. 
and they just can't stand his bride. And I don't think that's a, I don't think that's going to work. If one of you come up to me and you can't stand my wife, guess what? You're not coming to my house. And I'm not saying God will reject you, but it's going to come between us. But she beat me up, God. I know I was there for that, but it's my bride. And so, in case you're not picking up what I'm putting down, the church is called the bride of Christ Jesus. AJ, are you telling me to get my butt to church? I don't know. Is that going to help you follow Christ Jesus, linking arms with others who are following him? You answer that. I don't know. But it's going to be awfully hard to say we love him but can't stand his wife. That's all I'm trying to say. So what have we learned today, guys? It's easy to love from a distance and to give the best of us to those who don't actually need it. To love coworkers and others who are here better than we love those who are close to us, and that's a trap. So what are we going to do? We're just going to talk to them. That's relationship, isn't it? We're going to ask the Lord first, how can we love you better? How can we do that? I was asking him last night, how can I love you better? I want to. What's one practical thing that I can do to draw closer to you, Lord? And then how can we love others, those that God has trusted us with better? How can we love them with the best of us? That's an individual thing. I don't dole out recipes, guys, because everyone's individual and it's beautiful. This time, this week, have the courage to ask those questions. So thank you for joining us online. Uh, God bless you and have a great week. 